0: Welcome back to another week of Instigating with Clarkie and Drury, brought to you by our friends at Conway Furniture, Highway 86, East End of Listowel. For all your furniture needs, go visit our friends at Conway Furniture. Of course, our good friends over at Larry Hudson, Chevrolet Buick GMC, and the Listowel Squash Courts. Ryan Drury back on here with Clarkie. We're very pleased to be joined by our good friend. Uh, This guy has been on the show probably more than anybody. We should probably start. Cutting him in to the profits. Hey, here. hey, easy. Steve. Stevie Callister of the Parlay, and of course, iGaming News Canada. Um Jeez. Steve, least, coming out of yours. At
1: least get me a Larry Hudson shirt, Brian. Come on.
0: Well, hey, <laughs> we we easy. probably could. Clarky will be done with that one in about an hour and we'll oh, get yeah, it
1: right perfect. in the mail to you. Perfect.
0: We'll sign perfect. it and everything. Perfect. Um, all right. So obviously there there's a lot to to talk about but we, we got to start with with some very unfortunate news obviously the, the hockey world was shocked and saddened over the weekend uh, hearing about adam johnson and what occurred over in england in an english elite league game over there adam johnson a former member of the pittsburgh penguins uh had a long ahl career and junior career over here as well and he was playing over uh in england with the nottingham panthers and unfortunately uh suffered a skate slash in his neck area and um, you know, we've seen injuries like this before at the NHL level, certainly. Um, famously we we all remember Clint Millarchuk and, and Richard Zednik. Thankfully, those two survived. Unfortunately, this time, Adam did not. And it's just uh it's a really, really terrible thing to try and fathom and wrap our heads around. Um, Steve, you know, the it has really sparked a a big conversation about player safety again and and for very good reason you know a a few years ago when eric carlson had his achilles severed in that incident with matt cook there was a big outcry for all the players to start wearing the kevlar socks and a bunch of them have is it now time for players at every level including the nhl to start wearing the neck guards
1: it, uh it won't be easy, Ryan but but I th- if I' if I was playing in the NHL and I I heard Adam Johnson's story and and uh certainly my condolences to Adam's family and and, and friends and, and teammates um it'd be a no-brainer for me. I mean I think we you mentioned the Eric Carlson accident. We know how sharp the skates are today and uh you know it I, I've, I've seen a couple places today with people saying that this this is probably something that could have been prevented. And uh, yeah, so I would sound the alarm loud and clear to, uh, to to insist that players wear neck guards.
0: Now, obviously, you mentioned it, it won't be easy, and, and especially at the pro level. And I was actually shocked today to learn that USA Hockey does not mandate wearing those protective high-rising collared neck guards. I wore one when I played. I did not play at a high level, but I was... I was afraid of potentially getting cut. I get it. Some guys don't like it. And especially at the pro level, particularly the NHL, uh, there there really is a, uh, a mandate, if you will, to kind of let guys do their own thing. Some guys like their gloves a little shorter, some wear them longer. Some guys like to tuck their skates, the socks in their skates. Some guys don't. There's really a lot of give and take with the equipment. However, they have grandfathered in visors. So everybody that plays in the NHL, I believe believe that came in in about 2016, maybe 15. Uh, So everybody that comes in the NHL ever since then, wearing a visor is mandatory. I'm curious, Steve, because you spent a long time with the NHL Players Association. What sort of directives or mandates were going on even back in your day in terms of things like equipment issues. How often is stuff like this discussed, and how is it handled at that type of level?
1: Yeah, I, I think there was a misconception, and and Chris, you might have some thoughts on this from your from your radio days in Toronto as well. But it, there was always a misconception that it was the Players Association. You know, in my case, Bob Goodnow, who who was setting that agenda, and it, it, it it's not the PA, it's the players. Yeah. So when people get upset because the PA comes out and says that uh, they want fighting in hockey, that's not, that's not Bob Goodnow or, or Marty Walsh or whoever the various people who have served in that executive director's role. That's not a decision they've made. That's a decision of the players. It's a, it's a democracy, and like it or not, and that'll be the situation with net guards as too, Ryan. If the league and the PA have conversations about net guards, uh, Marty Walsh will take that to the membership
2: yeah, and like the bottom line is, if you want to wear one, you're not going to be restricted. You can wear one, right? So you know, Steve, you play men's hockey, I play men's hockey, and i I'm always concerned about it. It's something in the back of my mind. Um, I, I once got um long underwear that had built-in Kevlar in it, and it I, I didn't I stopped using it because it was really hot and extremely hot. Um, but I do wear like cut-proof socks. I've seen the wrist guards you can wear. Never, ever have I thought about wearing a neck guard. I have never thought about it, and I probably should. Um, I've gone from the cat's eye mask to the smaller ma- uh, screen on my on my mask this year, or two, last year I, I switched um, because I've seen too many sticks go through the masks. It's just one of those things where... It's out there for you if you want the safety, if you want to wear it. And maybe the Adam Johnson thing now will make people more aware. But, like, men's league, I know it's it's mandatory in kids' league. It should be probably mandatory in all all leagues.
1: Although it wasn't amazing, you guys, like, uh, you know, I played men's hockey for years. I'm, I'm just playing shinny, shinny now, but... Uh, even shinny it's amazing to me how many guys my age where don't wear a shield just wear a helmet
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just you know it doesn't take even if you're a guy who played pro hockey or senior hockey or junior hockey uh it's not usually you that decides whether or not you take a puck in the checklist it's exactly it's a deflection and listen i'm uh i'm going to Collingwood this week for the play in an old geezers tournament and as we have this conversation i mean i'm pretty sure i'm gonna go to my local uh my local sporting goods store in the next day or so and pick myself up a neck guard and i've never won one before but i mean it's this is the kind of thing that it makes you think twice about what you're doing
2: yeah yeah and when you say that i wonder about mine because i wear like a neck throat protector um and 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 collarbone protector i'm i want to find out if that maybe that's cut proof I should look into that because that would that would make it easier for me. But uh I do have some neck protection for sure. But yeah, um you're right, you should, and everyone should. Because uh we saw what happened with Clint Malarchuk. We saw that play out right on TV in front of us, but uh yeah Richard's it's not a neck as well. It, it, yeah, it's not a fun and like Mikaiev got his wrist slashed when he played for the Leafs. It happens, like it it yeah. does it's not it doesn't happen often, but as you said, with those skates sharp sharpened as much as they are now like do officials they should be wearing that stuff too like especially linesmen who have to break up fights they're sometimes rolling on the ice like what what's their mandates
1: any at all no and it's, it's funny chris when you're talking about that and when we started this conversation you know when i i started <laughs> refereeing in the uh in the 70s when i was 11 12 years old and i remember we didn't wear helmets back then and and when I started, uh, when I got back in the refereeing, when I moved to Concord in 1981, of course, helmets were mandatory by then. I, I was really mad about that. I thought, geez, you know, I like looks nice, my hair out there and flowing and <laughs> flowing in the wind as I'm skating up the ice. I thought, what a horrible idea. And then, you know, you fall, you get the skates taken out from India or next, you get dumped on your on your backside or whatever. And you think, okay, this is a good idea. Then they introduced the face shields. I thought, oh, this is stupid. You know, I, I don't want I don't want to wear a face shield out there. It's too hot. And now mm-hmm. I can't imagine if can't imagine not refereeing now without a face shield because of the speed speed of the game and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ref, and it, I know referees do have more protection than they certainly had back in, in my officiating days, but it's certainly far from the worst idea in the world for these guys to add a neck guard if they're not wearing one already.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting conversation over the next little while because you know. Clarky you brought up a number of examples there last year. Evander Kane lost mm-hmm. a very big chunk of his season after his wrist was slashed in a scrum. Mm-hmm. We saw a few years ago, Taylor Hall in pregame warmups with no bucket on fell and a teammate skate struck him. And he had a nasty, nasty cut.
2: And and, and just uh, the other day, a guy got kicked in the a eye. A week
0: ago. Does. Yes. Jacob Lauco of the Boston Bruins. And he he looks like a horror villain now and he'll heal and be fine. But man, oh man, I, I shudder to think of what would have happened if, you know, he didn't have a visor kind of protecting some of the impact of that. uh, And it still ended up being pretty gruesome. I, I understand. And look, we've talked about this before, uh, uh, you know, in other contexts, the NHL it's, it's, it's the most high profile league in the world. We, we love and, and want more individuality out of these guys. And the equipment is a big part of that goalie masks. It's a huge part of a goalie's personality, the way a guy wears his skates, you know, uh, Clarkie, what two weeks ago, we were, we were kind of goofing around and talking about Tyler Bertuzzi and how he doesn't, tape the top of his stick like that's that's a cool aspect of a guy's personality in their equipment Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. you know for me Ovi and the and the RoboCop visor back in the day it's like it's a cool thing but hey that was a visor he was wearing it like Ovi wore that and he didn't have to back in Russia there was no rules uh, about it and he still wore one when he was playing there I do feel that I understand it. And like guys have to wear their helmets now in in warmups as a result of that Taylor Hall thing. I do think that we're probably not far away from guys being mandated to wear these neck guards because I know it's a, I get it. It's an accident and, and it's, it's rare that it happens in such an unfortunate and gruesome way. But if there's a shred of a chance that this could have been prevented and that it can be prevented in the future on the NHL ice, AHL junior Peewee, we got to do it. And and Steve, I do wonder from your experience back working with the PA, how something like this would, would start. I, it would have to be powered by the players. What kind of process would have to go down?
1: think Two ways I guess it could go down, Ryan. Once is that uh Marty Walsh and the leadership at the PA bring it up with with some player reps. And I do know that there are some Zoom calls happening this week with the with the Players Association in light of the shame panel suspension last week. So that might be a topic that comes up, uh comes up during those Zoom calls. The other one would be uh players or, or player reps themselves just reaching out to the PA and say, hey, maybe we need to have a discussion discussion about this. But I you know it sounds crazy to say ryan but i i don't know i just don't know if it's going to be that easy i mean these guys have dug nhl players have dug their heels on other equipment things in the past like getting shields across the finish line wasn't easy and i i just don't understand in an era where all these guys grew up wearing full cages um why they just wouldn't continue that trend when they when they get to the nhl and you know, I don't know about you guys. It just seems more and more these days. When I watch players being interviewed, I just, I can't believe how many players have lost or missing dental or missing teeth. And these are these guys, like these are 19, 20-year-olds. or and guys just start early in their lives. who are only going to play, you know, if they're lucky, they're going to play seven years in the NHL. That's a hell of a career. And these guys are going to have all kinds of dental work done at the end of the career. Quick story. I've got a good friend of mine who played senior hockey back in the day. He's probably spent about twenty thousand dollars in dental work over the past year for for hockey injuries he had back in his senior hockey days. And that guy that guy went through hell to uh, to essentially get his teeth fixed. And I mean, obviously NHL players the the money's there. The money's not an issue. But do you really want to be missing teeth when you're twenty years old because you're too proud to wear to wear a cage?
2: Apparently, they do. Yeah, yeah, right. Like apparently, they do.
0: Yeah, it's. It's a tough conversation to have, obviously, because, yeah, you're especially at the NHL level, even the AHL, like, yeah, you're you're talking to guys that are adults who understand the risks here. But I, I, you know, I would in closing, you know, and if you guys have anything else to add after this, please feel free. In closing, I would direct everyone's attention kind of to what, Formula One has done and really motorsport in general, you know, right down from rally car, Indy car, NASCAR in terms of safety, because there is no more dangerous sport than those. I mean, we're talking about guys in F1 in particular moving down straightaways at 300 plus kilometers an hour. Um, And there was a big stink about the halo that you see on cars now. I have personally, in the years that I've watched F1, since the halo came in, I've personally witnessed it probably save four or five drivers' lives, including Sir Lewis Hamilton. Like, there was a crash two seasons ago. uh, I believe it was at the Brazilian Grand Prix. You can look it up between him and Max Verstappen. And if that halo's not there... There is a very good chance that we would be talking about Lewis Hamilton in a past tense right now, but the halo was instituted. Guys complained it's going to obstruct our vision. It's, you know, it's going to make the car harder to drive the aerodynamics when you're driving in cars that are going that fast and you flip over and there's nothing protecting you, you're going to be thankful it was there and they are. So I don't know. I don't know where this goes. Mm -hmm. I don't know how long it might be or what it will take, but. I, I would personally, if I was, uh, you know, a player of significance in the league, I would be calling other guys, other, you know, union reps and saying, Hey, this might be something that we should probably try and do. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that.
1: No, I did see Ryan before we, uh, before we hopped on this interview that the, uh, the, the British ice hockey league, they have come out with some sort of announcement or recommendation around, around. They next. have. So yeah. that,
0: they've yeah. mandated them yeah.
1: yeah so step in the right direction and uh i will say like if i'm one of the one of the what 64 goaltenders in the national hockey league to chris's point earlier i i'd certainly be making sure that my next properly covered at, at, at the very least at, at that position
0: yeah I agree. All right, I earlier like a couple of minutes ago Steve you you brought up the Shane Pinto situation and I'm glad you did because I want to touch on that with you. You're the guy that I thought of first when we first heard about this. I want to touch on that with you next on instigating. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome back to Instigating with Clarkie and Drury, brought to you by our friends at Conway Furniture, our friends at Larry Hudson, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, and, of course, the Listable Squash Courts. Back here with our friend Steve McAllister from the Parlay and, of course, iGaming News Canada. And speaking of gaming, uh, Steve, we were talking about it before the break. Obviously, this Shane Pinto situation. Now, what it sounds like has occurred is that somebody was using an account of his to place bets and that's what's got him in trouble here and he he unequivocally has said that it this is his fault he's accepting the punishment and it is a hefty one um given the situation whether you deem it a little harsh or not the the rules are clear we've talked a lot about gambling being legalized uh you know it you know you could always gamble on like pro line and certain things like that but single single you know sport and single bet gaming ever since it got legalized people the naysayers who are very anti-gambling have said that eventually like this is going to leak into sports in a bad way we've seen it before in in very different ways what was your opinion of this whole situation and do you foresee this becoming a more pronounced problem in the nhl and beyond
1: um so yeah i guess a, a couple of thoughts guys i mean first of all uh I really wish, you know, I think the NHL's made a mistake here by not being more transparent. Uh, there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of guessing going on out there on what happened. And the fact that uh, the fact that Pino's only getting 41 games leads me to believe that this there was nothing nefarious about this. And if it's true that he had a buddy using his sportsbook account, which you're not allowed to do, if it was something as simple as that, why not just tell that story? Mm-hmm. And it's a great lesson learned for the 700-plus guys playing in the national hockey league not, not to do this. But instead of you read the coverage, there's all kinds of conjecture and rumors and speculation, and uh, certainly the coverage I've read within the gaming industry, they're they're saying that the league made a mistake in uh, in not uh, not being more transparent and, and flushing out exactly what uh, what happened here. So that's that's the first part of it. The second part, I, I do think there's been a bit of overreaction, Ryan, to this. I mean, as you mentioned, sports betting is not like this is new. It's been around for decades and decades and decades. And in fact, three NHL players, including uh, Chris, you remember, Babe Pratt, got lifetime bans in 1948, <laughs> 1948 for betting on their own team.
2: Yeah, remember him um, well.
1: So when I when I read when I read coverage or, or hear something about well. Shane Pinnell plays for a team that has a betting logo on their helmet. Well, what's, what's that have to do with with violating a, a gambling policy? It's got nothing to do with the fact that we're, we have a regulated sports betting environment. And talking to people in the industry on Friday for, um, I, I write a monthly column now for B&M Bloomberg for their business of sports website. And, I've also been working on the, the Tuesday gaming news Canada newsletter and I'm, I'm right I'm dedicating pretty much the whole newsletter on Tuesday to uh, to the panel's suspension um, and that's a, th- this this shows that the system worked because there's so many checks and balances in place now guys where the sportsbook operators have monitoring um, protocols in place. Uh, the league has monitoring protocols in place through their uh, through their partnerships with integrity providers. And in the case of the NHL, it's two companies: Sport Radar, which provides the data for the league, and another company called US Integrity. So the fact that we that we are operating in mostly a regulated sports betting landscape in North America now, uh, this this is a case where we see the systems working.
2: Yeah, because- It's working, I guess, but just like in yeah. general population, like the amount of people betting nowadays, like, yeah, the system has w- worked on this one. I don't know. As as a guy who's a little pessimistic on it, I would think there's stuff going on that, like, I don't know. It just seems like it'd be too easy just to, hey, buddy, you know, like that kind of information sharing specifically, like, I know you get in trouble doing it, but I don't know. I don't know. I just, oh, yeah. Uh,
1: I, don't, I don't think any of us are at, that naive, Chris, suggests yeah. that type of activity is not, not going on. But that that was going on in the past with, sure. you know, the for the gray market or the offshore or illegal or black market, whatever you want to call the better yeah yeah. And again, like it, it's not to I don't want to diminish the fact here that we do have. There is gambling ad- addiction. It doesn't sound like that's anywhere close to the situation here with with, with no. Shane Vento. But on the flip side, like we have there's a lot of vice industries. I mean, you know, tobacco, Canada takes in billions of dollars every year in, in tax revenue from smoke from cigarette smokers. Um, You know, alcohol is a vice industry. Cannabis is a vice industry. Uh, people have been going to the racetrack for for decades and decades and decades. So um, I'm not unsympathetic to to people who who have uh, problems with with addiction, um, but at the same time that, that this these are these are legal regulated industries, and um, I think if you kind of if you don't regulate them, you're opening yourself up to all to other kinds of problems on top of the ones that already are going to exist no matter what.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree, and and I think that again, there are a lot of people, myself included, you guys, you know, it's other people watching that that gamble very responsibly, and have fun doing it, and are able to control that. And I do think that it it is an industry that has been getting labeled unfairly at times. We've seen a lot of wild overreaction from this, Steve. And and just as a final note, I want to ask you your opinion on this. Given the way that we see the industry regulated currently in our country and in growing numbers of markets in the United States as they continue to kind of catch up on this, we've heard a lot of people saying that. Stuff like this is just the tip of the iceberg and we're not far away from seeing a 1919 Black Sox scandal again in sports with how it's regulated and your expertise with the industry, how, how actually likely is that?
1: Yeah, I I just don't see that happening in the major professional sport leagues. Ryan, I mean, for a few reasons, one, the athletes make so much money now. There, there's not that incentive or, or need. Might be different if you're a guy playing a tier two soccer league, or maybe you're uh, an Olympic athlete who plays in a sport where you're not getting much funding. And, and that's when you talk to people in Canada, like people at the Canadian Center for Ethics and Sports, that's what they're worried about right now. They're not worried about NHL players or NBA players or NFL players. They're worried about that Olympic athlete who maybe gets a couple thousand bucks a month in, in carding money. And those are the guys, uh, men and women and others who are susceptible to, to match-fixing or being approached by, by somebody uh, to manipulate a, a comp- competition. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I think with the pro, pro sport leagues in North America, is you do have these checks and balances now. You know, like having this conversation today. Uh, a Newcastle soccer player last week was suspended for I think eight, uh, eight or ten months by the Italian soccer federation because of a, you know, not just gambling, but he has a gambling addiction and he's he's going to try to get some help. Uh, two golfers on the Corn Ferry Tour were suspended last Friday uh, for betting on PGA Tour events. Now they weren't tournaments that that they were playing in, but you you can't bet on a PGA Tour event if you're a professional golfer on a PGA Tour sanctioned. Uh, event. So, you know, there, I think the fact that you do have these checks and balances, it's just really hard for something like 1919 to happen all over again.
2: Steve, help me um, with the new, I thought there was new legislation that came out about celebrities endorsing these companies. Yeah, um, But then I see sports interaction commercials on HockeyNet in Canada with uh, with Chris Pronger and Mitch Marner and I think Leon drysettle are they just saying screw it, or is there something that they're getting away with?
1: Yeah, so the Alcohol and Gaming Commission in Ontario announced Chris back at the end of August that they were going to mm. place these new standards or new restrictions on the use of athletes and celebrities in advertising, uh, but that those rules don't kick in until the end of February. Oh, okay. And there's still a thought there's a lot of operators in the industry who they, they would like to uh, they would like to revisit that with the regulators. And, and uh, again, I think there's some there's a lot of cloudiness around what define, defines a celebrity because social media influence are part of this or even as it relates to athletes like do you, you know, an athlete who maybe played one game in the NHL. Are you are you really gonna be concerned that he's endorsing or or working as an ambassador for for a sports book? And some people will say, Well, you compare that, you know, compare Chris Clark, Ryan Gray, or Steve McAllister with Wayne Gretzky. Like what well, how like how do you quantify that? So there those discussions are taking place, but what you talk about, Chris, uh, if if the AGCO presses ahead with this, they won't take effect until okay. the end of February.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll we'll see how that shakes out. One other thing that I definitely wanted to discuss with you, Steve, and you know, Clarky, we touched on it on a recent episode too. And I know you have a lot of thoughts about this. You're, you're very passionately kind of against this is uh, the recent announcement that the NHL draft is going to decentralize. They are going to go in lockstep with the other major leagues where, Basically, the telecast will now just feature uh, the prospects there in a room with the commissioner, with their families and agents. They will be there. The teams will all stay at home and be essentially phoning in uh, their picks for the commissioner to announce to the telecast. And uh, I'm a little disappointed. Clarky. Yeah, I know you're very disappointed because of all your great experiences over the years, um, you know, double digits in terms of drafts. You attended for Leafs TV what's your opinion of this Steve like is it as simple as a cost-cutting measure or is there more to this and what's your thought on it because I, I I'm not a fan
1: yeah I, I do see both sides uh Ryan and first thing I'll say is I mean I I've been highly critical for years of the Ontario Hockey League for getting rid of their draft because I always thought that the the OHL draft was an opportunity to bring the that that community together um you know things that obviously changed from a media standpoint, but back back then, when the when the league first decided to take the digital route, uh, there was still a lot of media to cover the teams. There was a great opportunity for for media people, you know, reporters that in whether it's Barry or, or Peterborough or Mississauga or Sudbury to get together for a couple of days and have access to to league executives, and it was also again a great thing for kids and their parents. Um, I, I do get that this is an expensive venture for the National Hockey League, but again, I'm a media guy like you and Chris, and and uh, there's a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of benefits to having a draft there. I mean, a, a networking if you're a journalist, a chance to, to to talk to people. I think it is special for the for the kids that are drafted and and their families to uh, to be there, and I certainly think in Canada there's still. I have to believe, Chris, that the viewership numbers are still really, uh, really healthy for that for that Friday night coverage of the draft.
2: Well, the Friday night for sure, right? Like it would definitely be uh, one of the bigger uh, audiences for sure. But I, it's got to just come down to cost, and it's the the teams in the league who shouldn't be around anyway, wanting this ended. But I don't know. It just it it's unique to the National Hockey League, and I just hate the fact that oh. You know, let's do something the other leagues are doing. Like, just stay with what's popular, like what your fans like. And I don't know, I if I was still working for the league, I'd be or with a team with the Leafs. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely not be happy about it.
1: Oh, the other thing I'll add too, guys, is that these people sometimes get forgotten. But what about the scouts? I mean, these are the guys that are driving yeah. all over Hell's Happy right. every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and drinking yeah. crummy coffee and sitting in the upper bowl of a rink and. Uh, you know that job's become even harder because of the reporting yeah. that, that is required now isn't it nice for those guys to be able to go to a nice city for for a weekend and and all their hard work be recognized by by the owners and the president and the general manager and then and, and your yeah. uh, your director your scouting boss so just from a human standpoint i think for those guys the the draft has a lot of meaning
2: that's a great point that's a real you know we should get Barry Trapp on the show in the next couple of weeks, uh, Ryan. Yeah. We're, you're not going to get anyone working for a team right now probably talking out, outspoken about it, but a, a retired guy yeah. might come on and say it. Because, yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely right. These guys go for the week in Vegas or wherever they go, and they're taking the dinner they meetings. I great. see them every weekend. It's great. Yeah. I see them every weekend in the meeting hey, room I well. I, I spent four days out west with um, uh, Garth Malarcha, Clint's brother. Um, yeah. A yeah. uh, Leaf Scout and followed and watched him. You know, he would go out. It was minus 40 degrees. And I'm not joking. And he would go out at the end of the second period and start his car because it would need to be warm when we left. And everyone's car in the parking lot was going for the entire third period. Just what you did. Just yep. what you did. And, you know, we went on that Coca-Cola Highway, I think it's called. We yeah. went from uh, Kelowna to Seattle for a game and it was whiteout. It was like crazy. But these guys do it all the time.
1: Brian Gareth Gareth told me those were four of the longest days of his life with Clark. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh yeah. Garth's I, I one of the good say, guys.
0: Uh, <laughs> he he'd have to be. He'd He's one of the real be.
2: good guys. He, he would have now. to be.
0: No, I agree. And and yeah, like I, you know, I see I see these guys roll through the media room in Guelph from different teams. Saw a couple guys from Vegas the other day and, and Dallas at the storm game on Sunday. like these guys, yeah, they're they're yep. putting yep. in a ton. Yep. of work and and they're still so underappreciated i i feel until the draft rolls around and then yeah. people are excited about the person they pick and their t- their favorite team mm-hmm. and then they get some love and now you know it feels it feels a little bit like that's kind of getting taken away in a sense and yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but leave it to the NHL to you know take one of the only things that makes their league and and their product unique and and squash it into the
2: ground. Yeah, that's exactly uh,
1: that's that's what we do. I will tell you, Ryan. There's there's two things I wouldn't miss about the drop. One is the guys having to put those stupid ball hats on caps on their head when they get on stage, and the second one is somebody bringing up a kid to be on stage as as well. I mean, those are two things I could certainly do without. But yeah, the, the pros of having a, a draft in the city far far outweigh the cons. And I think, you know, I, I for the three of us, it's a no brainer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: Steve, the so Argos bad. sixteen and two, setting at a CFL record. Um, and they have the bye week this week. Montreal and Hamilton play in the East. Uh these Argos are gonna win the Great Cup, aren't they? It's a perfect. It'd be shocking for if them. they
1: didn't. It's a great uh, great story guys and I think it's the story that kind of you know is sitting there in the under the cone of silence and it's too uh it's too bad you know it's funny I had a long chat with uh with Dan Ralph a longtime football writer for the Canadian press a couple of weeks ago Dan Dan and I uh, worked in Georgetown together back in uh, our early days in the business and we were just talking about the Argos and the fact that you know the 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 papers in Toronto, they, they hardly ever get a beat writer out to practice anymore. And and mm-hmm. they're relying more and more on Dan just to cover games for them. And, um, you know, I, I also talking to some guys, too, I think on the golf course a few weeks ago. And you do wonder if the Argos win another great cup, but maybe that's the thing that gets them over the hump and people start going back to Argo games again. And And I hope that's the case. I mean, Chris, I'm sure you spent a lot of time around the CFL back in the day. Um, when I joined the Canadian press in 1980, 1988, my first two years there, I covered the tie cats and Argos and had a chance to go to three great Cups. and I have a lot of uh some of my fondest memories of working in the business mm-hmm. are uh, are those are those three years I spent covering the league
2: yeah i I wanted to go to the Great Cup this year, unfortunately, I'll be in Jamaica, so I, I can't. But uh, huh. uh, I'll be trying. Well, you know what? I land that night. I land at well, seven thirty. Game is six I, o'clock. But there it is. That's what it's all about, right there. Yes, to sir. Keep right here. And
0: I'll I'll say Perfect. this too. Uh, you can you can bet that. I feel confident also saying this Clarky when they win the Grey Cup cuz I will be floored if they don't that they're unbelievable. They're I've seen Sachs a lot worse things happen though.
2: Like I've seen no, that I team know. 16 and 2 or whatever We know 15 and 3 lose in that Eastern Final or Western it's Final. Why we play? I know it's that's why, why we play. play. And you know what with all due respect to the Hamilton Tiger-Cats they're moot going into Montreal. No pressure on them. They they win in Montreal then they play the Argos. For a chance to play it the, for the Grey Cup at home, yeah. So that intense. could that could be tough. So intense it'll be fun. Stuff. It'll be fun. And fun I'll,
0: and I'll weeks. say this, you know, the the league is is coming along in fits and bursts. Like I was shocked to learn that Green Day is playing the halftime show. Like they are. the league. Shelled out some serious cheddar to get those dudes up here from California. Like, let's go! I'll be certainly tuned in for the game, and I'll be excited to watch Green Day. Like, (laughs) hey, they're trying; they're doing their thing. And and the Argos, I hope that it ends in another championship. And our friend Mike uh, will definitely join us when when that happens. You will. Can bet, Clarky. You can bet. Yes, Yes. and. And it, and it might be around the time when his Eagles are continuing to roll here. They're they're looking pretty good. And 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 I'll say this as well. in what you're saying, where we, we can't put all our eggs in one basket here. We're, we're confident the Argos are going to do it. But, hey, the Kansas City Chiefs just lost to the Denver Broncos, ladies and gentlemen. This is why we play the games. Hey, last right?
2: week, I remember last week we were talking about NHL undefeated teams. And you said... Boston will go undefeated tonight. They're playing Anaheim. And I said, oh, not so quick. And what happened? They lost. The
0: Anaheim Ducks, ladies they and lost. gentlemen. Anyway,
2: there you oh, go. Hey, Gotta play I, forgot, game. I
0: forgot. I forgot. I Listen, I forgot the saying, right? Ducks fly together. And they flew together that night against the Boston Bruins. All right. And hey, my Capitals have won three in a row as we record this. Oh, not yeah. dead yet. And I actually want to point out too now that you brought that up Clarky that if you look at the analytics our top line is the best in the league at generating chances right now and it features a guy apparently over the hill Alexander Ovechkin thank you
2: Very All good. right thanks Kyle yeah. <laughs>
0: Steve, I'm I'm personally hurt that you called me that. Steve, <laughs> I'm personally thrilled that you came back on the show. We love having you on here. Where can people find your work? Gaming News Canada, that great newsletter that you do. Everywhere, and of course Stuff over answer. at the parlay. Everywhere. Yes. Where can they
1: find it, Steve? Gamingnewscanada.ca, Ryan. And you can also find me at WOA Ranks everywhere. Including, yes. including the, the upcoming Wingham Silverstick Tournament. That, yes. Talk about November nineteenth. I'm hoping my here in Bruce Blizzard are playing in the Silver Stick finals that day, guys. What did, what's the date what? of that? It starts November twelfth to nineteenth. We play okay. Bruce Bruce Peninsula on the twelfth, and we're hoping to be playing in the, the gold medal game on Sunday, November nineteenth. My my thirty fifth wedding anniversary by the day. We
2: should go oh, do a show there.
1: I will. Appreciate
0: I'll you. tell you what. I've covered the Silver Stick tournament a number of times. I'll be drifting down there to say hello to you in the very yeah. least. Adam, write it down. Let's do a show there. Absolutely. All right. Steve McAllister, <laughs> thanks so much for doing this, my
1: friend. Always love it, guys. Thank you.
0: All right. When we come back, of course, what else I got would we be one. doing? I got a the great one. Show? He's he's fired. I, Clark, he's fired excited. Up. He's never excited. So this must be a big deal. What else would we be doing to end the show? The Conway Furniture Couch Potatoes of the Week coming up after this on Instigating. <laughs> Back to wrap things up here on instigating with Clarkie Jury this week, brought to you by our great friends at Conway furniture. We'll hear more from them in a couple of minutes here. Obviously our friends at Larry Hudson, Chevrolet Buick GMC. Remember, Hey, snow's on the ground now and they've got large SUVs. They got lots of large trucks over there. You got to get yourself into four by four gear. If you want to do that, Go see Clarkie or one of the, our friends at Larry Hudson Chevrolet Buick GMC 1000 Wallace Avenue in Listow. How easy is that?
2: Stay where up. where the deals are hot.
0: They are hot. It's cold outside.
2: It's cold. The deals. Out, baby, it's cold outside. Oh, we're not allowed to sing that.
0: <laughs> I guess. But the deals are hot. They are I'm Larry Hudson's And hot. of course, our friends at uh, at the Listowel Squash Courts. Which, oh, big which, tournament funky, coming big, up. Big weekend for you guys. I was Big talking weekend. about it with
2: Al. I yes. haven't even practiced, so we'll see how it goes. I'll It'll report be better in. Better than me. I'll bring It'll some be better biz. than me.
0: I'll bring yes. some video. Please do. Please I will. do. Speaking speaking of video, and well, it, it, the video was you know played today at the press conference. Of course, we're we're recording this segment on on Wednesday. Um. Wow, what a start to November for the Ottawa Senators after eight seasons, Pierre Dorian. Now the reports have come out that he has resigned, but they fired him like the writing was on the wall and he saw it and he wanted to do the you can't fire me. I quit move. So Take that for whatever you will. A bunch of reporters tweeting out, he technically he resigned. He was fired. And the reason he was fired, Chris Clark, is because of this this whole fiasco with the Yevgeny Dadnov trade uh, that took place last season Mm -hmm. uh, between the Ottawa Senators and the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, if you're wondering... What do you mean? Uh so basically what what they did was Ottawa acquired Yevgeny Dadnov. He didn't like it there. They then they signed him to a deal. Now when they signed him to this deal,
2: Chris, yeah.
0: it included a, a 10, 10 team, team no trade clause. No trade clause. Correct. Which included the Anaheim Ducks. I'm curious if it
2: included the Ottawa Senators, too. You can't trade me back here ever. I understand that, right? but I'm just saying.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, that'd be funny. Um, Now, if you're wondering, what does it matter if the Anaheim Ducks were on this no trade? Well, in 2022, they traded Mm -hmm. Yevgeny Dadnov to the Vegas Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then Vegas, to get out of some cap trouble subsequently dealt Yevgeny Dadnov to the Anaheim Ducks. And it was announced later that trade deadline day that the deal was void because he had a no trade clause, which him and his agent went, wait, what? You're trading us to Anaheim? Not so fast. I have a 10 team no trade list. And the issue at hand is that the Vegas Golden Knights had no idea he had said no trade list when they acquired him from the Ottawa Senators.
2: Which is against the rules not
0: disclosing that information. It's against the rules. Now, it's 2023. It's not like telegrams were being sent or that this was done over Morse code. There are a lot of ways you can point the finger of blame here. You know, yes. is, Is there maybe a shred of due diligence blame to go toward the Knights? Maybe, but it's on Ottawa to ensure that the other team knows, hey, by the way, he has a 10-team no-trade list. Here it is. We're the ones that gave it to him. Well, that was mm-hmm. not disclosed, and it really bungled up the Vegas Golden Knights, obviously, at the time. And the league. what's funny to me is the league, in their statement, because here's why Dorian got fired slash resigned the league handed down their punishment after the after concluding their investigation into it and said that ottawa's actions brought embarrassment to the league and and brought the league into disrepute and so decided to levy a punishment of surrendering a first round pick from the senators in either their choice of 2024 25 or 26. And Ottawa in any of those years could choose to rescind their first pick yeah. following the draft lottery. That's how it all breaks down. And so Michael and Lauer, the brand spanking new owner of said Ottawa Senators, finds out about this and is obviously very upset. And Steve yeah. Steos has been brought in as the interim GM. Now, the issue at hand, Ottawa held a press conference. Again, we're recording this segment Wednesday, November 1st. They held a press conference today where Michael and Lauren, you rarely see owners come out and speak.
2: Back up one ever? second. I have a Please. question. The yes. league just made their ruling today, correct? Yes. Okay. That's all I want. Okay. Continue your story.
0: Which is part of the issue. Yeah. Now, again, you rarely see owners come out and make statements publicly. Ever. Ever, ever. It, it's so, so rare. Michael Ann Lauer, this from Frank Zervalli and many other reporters directly quoting the press conference. Sens owner Michael Ann Lauer says the NHL did not advise him of either investigation, that being this Dadnov one and the Shane Pinto one that we recently saw handed down. Botched Dadnov no trade or the Pinto sports betting incident before he closed his purchase of the Senators. craziness. And and Lauer says, and I quote, maybe they didn't want to disrupt the sale to make sure the seller got the best price possible. And Lauer goes on to say the sellers saw the Dadnov situation. By the way, the sellers he's referring to are the Melnick group, Eugene's two daughters, um, who were not handling the sale, to be fair. No. As So, Andlauer says the Sellers saw the Dadnov situation as a, quote, non-issue when he was in talks to buy the team. He isn't happy to lose a first-rounder so long after everything played out. Quote, why I inherited this situation is beyond me. There is no reason for an investigation like this to last this long. Exactly. Michael Andlauer's words. He is precisely right. And I... Well, the league is doing
2: what them. they're basically accusing the Sens of doing. Not giving information to the people they're dealing with. How did this take this long? Right. How did this take it this didn't. long?
0: They knew the He's day absolutely he, right. He's
2: They
0: absolutely knew the right. They day didn't want the day the trade out. went down and it was voided, they knew right. immediately what the problem was. Yeah. A ruling should have been rendered the following week. I'm not saying that they're not busy over there at the NHL offices in New York, but when something like this, that, and and the NHL statement on the ruling for the first round pick surrendering is correct. It is embarrassing for the league to have a situation like this. That, That is right, but it's more embarrassing that this professional sports league couldn't render a ruling on this. By the way, Kick it back a few years. Remember when the the New Jersey Devils traded for my good buddy Ilya Kovalchuk back in the day and then attempted to sign him to a 17-year-long deal? Yeah. A year after that, the NHL announced that they would be investigating the illegality of that contract. He ended up signing a 15-year deal and that the Devils would likely be charged a draft pick as a result of it. That never happened. They never ended up making the Devils surrender a pick. And if I was Michael Anlauer, I would be immediately on the phone to mafioso Gary and going, uh, excuse me, I don't think so, Gare. We're going to pick our first rounder in 2024, 25, and 26. Thank you very much. And you can kiss my ass.
2: I'd love for him to say that.
0: That's what I'd be doing. Michael Anlauer probably had numerous meetings with Gare Bear Bill Daley, whoever, and the 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 former Sens ownership group en route to making this purchase, and was not notified that either of these situations, the Pinto one, or, or a pending investigation into one. Of I can his see best the Pinto one a
2: little bit just because it was a personal situation. I can see that and maybe, but even still, not it wasn't revealed. But the to trade them. this trade one. There was but only one both... reason. Only one reason. It wasn't. But. It didn't come out, and that's because I, of the ownership.
0: I understand that, but but they're both just as bad because both investigations were underway at the time yeah, he was I, purchasing I the it. sense for sure, and he wasn't notified that any that either of the situations were a factor potentially, and they let him spend a billion dollars on this franchise, and then all of a sudden he's got two giant forest fires in downtown Ottawa. It's embarrassing. And what's even more embarrassing, and, and it's been pointed out all over social media, what is even more embarrassing and what lends even more to Gary Bettman essentially being the John Gotti of, of professional sports. I'm tired of it. I don't care. Gary is a sickening human being and the people he represents are worse, one of which is Michael Andlauer. now. What's even more embarrassing is that Ottawa botched a trade and failed to give details about a no trade list and they've been ordered to surrender a first round pick which could putt- a first round pick it's going to be even worse if the- if this upholds and the player picked with that pick later ends up where Ottawa could have been picking i'm saying ends up being a superstar when you look in the standings say that would have been Ottawa's pick and oh look the guy turned into a superstar and Ottawa could have drafted him that'll be sure. really embarrassing but it's even worse is that Ottawa had to surrender a first-round pick for botching some paperwork. Mm-hmm. And the Chicago Blackhawks, for years, covered up one of the worst sexual abuse scandals in professional sports history, wrote a recommendation letter for the man who was guilty of committing said assault against Kyle Beach, which then allowed that gentleman to go to a college program uh, or a high school program, pardon me, and abuse more victims... And they got fined $2 million out of billionaire Rocky Wirtz's pockets and didn't have to surrender any picks and then won the NHL draft lottery and selected Connor Bedard. How does this make any sense? This league is a Bush league. It's not a professional league. It's got professional players, it's got the best players in the world. The structure of the league and the way it operates on a day to day basis is not professional. And I've said it a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand more. I love hockey. I hate the NHL. The NHL is a Bush league and they're embarrassing. Chris Clark, your thoughts?
2: Well, it certainly gets the people riled up who think that a Canadian team will never win again. Um, it certainly oh, yeah. gets Lends people right into that narrative. riled oh, yeah. up about You know the small market teams compared to the big market teams, and how Mr. Bettman um, seems to be a little more lenient when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's all—it's all. You're absolutely right. This league, on a daily basis, upsets me about things they do. The officiating, I think, is horrendous. The officiating's
0: Um, never been worse.
2: It's just never been worse. Time after time, they seem to be like the draft changing the draft structure. Um, Frozen I, Frenzy. Gary's watch got it in Gary, Canada. G- yeah, exactly. Gary's losing it, I think. Um, and it's time for him to step aside.
0: Gary Bettman's a bad guy and he should be resigning yeah, immediately. 100%. Absolutely. I'm, I'm actually should. serious. This is oh, a resignable I, yeah. offense. Yeah. It will not um, happen. No. The owners love him.
2: Yeah. And and what kind of... um, What can he do? What can Ann Lauer do? nothing like is there any appeal process whatsoever this decision no it's just gary making up a rule like is there a rule that's what i want to know in the cba or anywhere that says the thing this happens you're losing a draft pick no if there isn't then they can't do it they can't just arbitrarily make something up when's the last time this happened
0: this well i i I don't know about this trade scenario where something like this was withheld, but like the most recent example of something like this in, in theory is the Kovalchuk thing Oh yeah, and the devil's for sure. So, Uh, so I would be going back and, and no, there's no official rule. There's, there's things in the CBA, which, uh, or it's not even the CBA because that's between the league and the players. There's like a league rule book, right? Where the league is essentially in charge of, doling out punishments for infractions or things that, you know, as the statement said, embarrass the league or bring disrepute to it, which they which they did with the Blackhawks thing. And the only thing and the only reason that Rocky Wirtz didn't protest that is because it would have looked really bad. Now he went on a hell of a bad PR tour following the Kyle Beach thing and made every attempt to make himself and the organization look worse, which he did. And the NHL didn't care because they let them draft Connor Bedard anyway. But that's the reason he didn't protest the $2 million tab, which is embarrassing. It should have been $10 million and the first-round pick for the next three or four years. That would have been a little more appropriate because what the Chicago Blackhawks did to that kid is still one of the most heinously sickening miscarriages mm-hmm. of employee care and justice I've ever seen in my entire life.
2: Yeah. But and then a year, I digress. A year later, we'll they about get this. rewarded with the first-round pick. That's mm, what shocking. I'm saying.
0: That, and that's what everyone's saying. For sure. Look on social media right now. Everybody is talking about this and going, Well, you didn't do much to the Blackhawks. That's what everyone's saying. The league constantly rubs its own nose in dog crap live on television in front of everybody to see. Yeah. And that is why they are a Bush league. This is a Mickey Mouse operation. You know, when Wayne Gretzky called the Devils a Mickey Mouse team back in the 80s, what he actually meant was, The whole league's a Mickey Mouse operation, and they are. And the only good thing about it are watching players like Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. The league is a joke. And if it folded tomorrow and they just continued on with a new entity called the World Hockey, the WHA, the World Hockey Association or something, and all the teams remained, the Maple Leafs, the Caps, whatever, I'd be fine with it. I wouldn't give a hot damn if this goofy logo disappeared off these jerseys. No one would. I don't give a clue about the NHL. No one would. Absolutely, and Nobody it's because would. they don't give a crap about us, that's the people right. that play in it, and the right. people that matter, which are the fans. And that's that's all I have to say. Yep. Our couch potato of the week is brought to you annually by our friends, uh, or weekly, I should say, uh, yeah. is brought to you by our friend annually, <laughs> once a year. We did no. <laughs> it's brought to you weekly, weekly by our friends at Conway Furniture, Highway 86 east, east end of, of Listool, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, you can go in there and, hey, they got all your furniture needs. You need a beautiful new dining room table. Hello. Beautiful new recliner. Hello. Beautiful new couch to be a couch potato on. Hello. And the prices in there include HST and delivery. See you later. They got a great sale going on right now on leather couches and love seats. Hit up our friends to be a couch potato over at Conway Furniture. Now, Clarky. Yeah. I'd like for I'd like for you to once again go first. People are probably wondering at the end of the show. Suddenly he's got his caps jersey on. I will be touching on that momentarily, but first I'd love to hear your couch potato of the week, sir.
2: Well, it's uh it's another one of these ones I have that I don't know who I'm blaming, but I'm blaming okay. somebody for this. Sure. And it's becoming a joke when I go to Harry's every leaf game to watch the game. Okay, Because Harry spent $200 on a Bud Light light. And, you know, the goal light. The goal light? Yeah. Well, the goal light seems to go off now at least four minutes after the Leafs score. It's ridiculous. The guy who's pushing the button is asleep on his Conway furniture sofa on his couch. Uh, Like, Ryan how Would you like to pay $200 for something to enjoy something and then the leaf score and you're looking at the light and then you're like, ah, it's not going off? And it literally, I can understand 30 night, seconds, I can't, but literally last night it was four minutes. I've seen a guy do this, I know a guy, you know, the same guy who used to push the button. It's an app, you bring up the app. And it has the two team names on it. And you click goal and confirm. It's all you got to do. Well, at the beginning of the year, we thought maybe the guy or at the end of last year, we thought maybe the guy was watching online because it would be 30 to 60 seconds late. If you do this job, you have to have cable. That should be one of the the requirements for the job. You can't watch it online. You have to watch it on cable. And it's pretty instantaneous. I had a guy do it in my basement. He was pushing the button, and I'm like, holy, that's fast. Well, it's ridiculous now. So I'd like you to t- put this on our socials and-, and tag Budweiser, Red Light, or whatever it is, uh, and we need an explanation why. It's now four minutes after a Leaf goal, which they only scored one last night. We had to wait till the third period to even test uh-huh. it. Yeah, uh, It was a terrible game. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no question. It was. The guy who's doing it, is asleep on the couch. And that is my couch potato of the week.
0: Okay, I like it. And and we will get to the bottom of this for you. Steve. I hope we, we do, because Harry and I will... are getting upset. We're getting mad.
2: Like, if it's we're not one begin... thing we're mad at the game, now we're mad at the light.
0: We're going and... to begin a Conway Furniture Couch Potato it, yeah. investigation.
2: Yes, and if Budweiser had will... any brains, they would not want any bad publicity now. They had enough in the last couple of years. Anyway. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. I I appreciate your contribution. Thank Mine you. will be a, a little different. Okay. And it's and it's a somber one. I uh so you're you're you took a negative turn to your couch potato this week. I will be taking a a positive one. This is someone who should be a couch potato because they've earned the right to relax and kick their feet up. And I hope ultimately that's what this guy does. And, and if you don't mind, I haven't put this on since, since the year, but if you don't mind, I would like to put on my Stanley cup championship hat because I, uh, I do feel, I do feel that, uh, the news today signals the, uh, the end of an era, obviously, uh, some tough news out of Washington and, and for caps fans. Nicholas Backstrom, who, of course, has had some injury troubles over the last couple of years and had a, a hip resurfacing procedure done. Um, it's a procedure that really, you know, a lot of guys, you know, in any sport really don't come back from. You know, we saw it most recently with guys like Ryan Kessler. It, it's it's a really hard thing to come back from. And and he has tried. And the news came out this week, obviously, that that Nick told his teammates that uh, his hip just is not responding the way he'd like, and he's going to have to step away from the game. So he hasn't officially announced and signed papers to retire, but I I think, unfortunately, and I'd love to believe with all my heart, it's not going to happen, but I I do think we all see the writing on the wall here that pretty soon we are going to hear an official announcement that number 19 will not be suiting up anymore. And uh, it's really sad. It really is. I, uh, I've been, pretty emotional all day. I'll be honest. And uh, it, it sucks. It really does. And uh, I'm, I'm upset. I'm, I'm, I am, uh, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm hurt for Nick. He's my favorite player ever. And I'm upset now. Um, It's, it's tough. It's tough to watch a guy that you grew up watching from a young kid. You know, I was, I was, I want to say 15 when Nick was drafted Um, it's tough to see him go out like this. You know, you, I was lucky to be a Patriots fan and see Tom Brady go out on his own terms. It was sad, but he got to do it his way. And to see Nick, who's given everything to the team, um, and the sport really, um, not be afforded the opportunity to do that is, is sad. It's heartbreaking. And, um, he's my couch potato because Nick just, you know, he said when he got the procedure done that he he just wanted to be healthy and he was having trouble putting his socks on every day and, like, you know, picking his kids up. And that's what this is all about. It's, you know, this isn't about hockey anymore. It's about real life. The guy's given enough. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best passers in NHL history. And he rode shotgun with one of the greatest goal scores in NHL history and was a big part of that. And And more than that, I, I'm sorry I've been doing this a lot lately, but I have to do it again today. He's a big part of this. He's a really big part of this. and um I'm just really bummed out that my guy, my favorite guy, uh Nick backstrom is is gonna be forced to to walk away from the game, not on his terms. and uh I'm I'm emotional. it sucks. Um, he's my hero. he He was. and um I hate talking about him in a past tense when it comes to hockey. But um, you know, it's it's tough, and we've all got favorite players and favorite teams. You know, Clarkie, I, you're going to be watching Austin Matthews and the boys for a long time.
2: Well, I'm going to I'm going to um, I'm going to compare this because it it, it I, I when you're when you started talking about it, um, the first guy I thought of was, and I was devastated when this guy was traded um, from the Leafs, and then he came back, um, but unfortunately, his back. Um, forced him mm. out. At the end of the day, Wendell Clark. Like, yeah. Um, so I know where you come from. When you have that favorite player um, that you just loved watching, and like, believe me, when I say Wendell was my all-time favorite player. Um, yeah. He was, he was. everything that you wanted a Maple Leaf to be. Not like a Mitch Martyr nowadays. You wanted. You wanted this guy. You wanted a Wendell Clark, and they've always said since. We need another Wendell Clark. Well, they haven't had one. Never won with Wendell, but boy, oh boy, they came close. So I know where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, it's a bummer for sure. And you know, I would just say to fans out there, I know it seems trivial. It's like you know, maybe a goofy thing to get upset over. But I'm, I, yeah, I love this team, and um, not the league they play in. But I, I do love this team, and I love Nick best of all. And uh, I'm sad. I'm, I'm heartbroken, and. um I just want to say thanks, you know, for for everything Nick if if he sees this. I don't know. Um thanks man. Thanks for thanks for everything, especially this guy here. I uh I really really am happy that uh I do take some solace in the fact that uh you won't remember this clarky, but at the end of that second year uh, in 2017 when the penguins put us out again, he guaranteed the caps would win. He said oh, we're coming, we're going to get one. And the very next year they did. And I, I do take some solace in the fact that Nick will always be a Stanley Cup champion. And to to quote my guy, Liam Gallagher, at the end of it all, you were always one of us, Nick. So thank you. All right. I need to get tissues and end this show. <laughs> We appreciate you guys listening and watching. Remember, you can find this show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV. That's Channel 6 for Whiteman subscribers. Remember, you can find us on social media at Instigating Pod. You can find the podcast on all the best podcast apps. And uh, remember, go visit our friends at Conway Furniture. Go visit our friends at Larry Hudson Chevrolet Buick GMC. And, hey, you want to get active? You want to play some squash? Fill us a little squash courts that's the place to do it are we gonna get coffee right probably Probably. (laughs) thank you for the memories nick we love you buddy uh clarky thanks for this man uh thanks for letting me have my little pulpit there for a for a couple minutes uh we'll be we'll be back next Uh. week with more instigating